Moonshots podcast. It's episode 98. It is time for mentorship and I'm your co-mentor, Mike Parsons, and the mentor, the super coach himself, Mark Pearson Freeland. He's back. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. What an action-packed show we've got ahead. I mean, what a fantastic series that we've had with Mr. Tim Ferriss. What, what a real mentor. <laughs> He, he delivers. I mean, I have to say he is about as moonshot as you can get, right? He really is. I think of all of our incredible innovators, authors, um, entrepreneurs that we've dug into because of Tim Ferriss's exposure to a lot of the individuals actually that we've covered, he has accumulated this vast amount of knowledge and exposure and experience. And it's kind of perfect for you and I to, to dig into and learn out loud with our listeners, isn't it? It really is all about uh, learning out loud. And um, he presents his thinking so very well. I mean, that's something that we've noted about uh, several people. Brene Brown, very, very articulate. Simon Sinek, uh, and Malcolm Gladwell as well. And I think what we've enjoyed so far on this series is through his series of books, we've learned how to rethink and question how we spend our time. We've uh, discovered learning how to learn. We've dug into the tools and techniques. And then lastly today, we get to dive into a world of mentorship and coaching. And you know what? That's exactly what this show is about, learning from others. So this is really just the perfect book for both of us to study and to share with all our listeners, right? That's totally true. This next uh, episode that we're going to dig into is Tribe of Mentors, Tim Ferriss's book. You know, he interviews uh, or he's gathered 130 interviews that he's completed and reached out through over his career. And these short and sharp uh, regular, um, almost secrets <laughs> to success, to happiness, to uh, meaning in business as well as life, and way even greater than that. You know, these little tips and tricks are things that you and I, I think, delve into a lot with all of our authors and entrepreneurs and, and innovators. And it's fantastic to have an opportunity to kind of actually look at an entire big picture with Tim Ferriss and really reach into these world-class individuals and think, mm. all right, well, Mike, we always talk about 10xing our results. Let's see what, what Tim Ferriss can reveal to us from the gathering that he's done. And it's, exactly. it feels so aligned. It does. And it's all about just tuning in to the wisdom around you, right? Like you don't have to try and solve every problem yourself. Many others uh, have faced the same problems we face every day. So it's a question if you can ask the right questions and tune in. And what we've got ahead of us today is a bunch of great clips that will not only give us techniques, but also some, um, some real behavioral change that we can take on so we can get most out of all the wisdom that surrounds us in friends and family, teammates. So it is absolutely the perfect bookend to a four-part series on Tim Ferriss. I'm super excited. And my big question for you, Mark, is where shall we begin? Well, like you say, the four-hour work week was all about time. We had the four-hour chef, which was all about learning. And we had last week the tools of titans, which was all about these tools and techniques. So this week is all about mentors. Who do we go and learn from? So what better way 
to open the show than from hearing from Tim himself as to what inspired him to write Tribe of Mentors. Yeah, so Tribe of Mentors came about, I just turned 40 not too long ago, and uh, it's been a big 12 months. It's been a heavy 12 months, too. I had a number of close friends die unexpectedly, including one of my mentors in this book actually passed away just a few weeks ago, very unexpectedly, Who's of complications. Terry Lachlan, who taught me I'm how to sorry. swim. And, how old uh, was Terry? 66. So he had uh, metastatic or metastasized prostate cancer and then had complications from that and a stroke. And, I'm sorry. Uh, it's been, uh, thank you, uh, a good opportunity for me to just take a step back and say, all right, let me hit pause for a period of time to try to reassess priorities, look at the direction that I'm heading, look at the things I'm doing or not doing, how has planning or over-planning or under-planning helped or hurt me, how am I relating to myself, not just to the world? I mean, all these questions started to bubble to the surface, and it seemed like a good opportunity to ask a lot of questions, some of which are really tactical, some of which are more strategic, some of which are really high-level life mission-type goals. And uh, I asked myself the question, which I've been trying to do in the last couple of years, which is, what would this look like, or what might it look like if it were easy? Right. So hmm. if, if this were simple, what would the structure look like? And I journaled on it, and the answer that came back was, you should just ask other people the questions that you are having trouble answering for yourself. So I reached out to about 140 people across every possible discipline, so ranging from, say, David Lynch, uh, the director, or Terry Crews, all the way to Kelly Slater, most decorated <laughs> surfer of all time, to Ayan Hirsi Ali, who's an incredible uh, writer, thinker, activist, Temple Grandin, I mean, you name it. Basically, every possible discipline and industry, artists, I reached out to all of them, people at the top of their fields, and asked them a set of 11 questions, and then compiled it into this book, Tribe of Mentors, because uh, I've thought for a very long time, and this is borrowing from somebody else, advice I got when I was probably 14 or 15, Who gave which was, uh, it was a, it was a, uh, <laughs> it was an older student in a martial arts class, he was an adult, and he left a voicemail on my answering machine. Remember those? Cool. And uh, uh, by the way, guys, not on your mobile device. This yeah. was a machine with that physical was tape. To physical tape. You have to put the tape in. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And if you ran out of tape, no more messages. <laughs> uh, but his message was advice to me, which was, "You're the average of the five people you associate with mm. most." Which I still think, physically, mm. emotionally, financially, mm. that's true. And I get asked all the time, well, what if I don't have five people around me that I can use to average up? And find them? Yeah, you find them, or you can do it remotely. You can do yeah. it virtually through audio, through video, yeah. through books. And so Tribe of Mentors was intended to give people 130 of the world's best to learn from. Ooh, 130 of the world's best. But I think if, if I think this through, Mark, and I listen to Tim Ferriss, what I'm really taking from that is go out and find the wisdom in the world because every problem we face has been faced before. And I think this is such an invitation not to be constrained, even if you don't have five people you think um, can offer you that sort of wisdom, just go out and find it. I think this is the perfect call to action. Exactly, because no longer do we have this limitation of access to people, you know, the internet is such a broad um, information highway full of great tips. You can go on YouTube, you can listen to podcasts, mm. 
you can learn similar to how you and I do. You can learn out loud by listening to other people and delving into their tips and techniques. And, you know, what Tim Ferriss is doing with Tribal Mentors is pulling together 130. And he calls out here that actually, if you average yourself against the five people that you hang out with most, what this book is actually giving you the opportunity to do is to be around those individuals and those techniques and tips from those mentors. And you can use that as a bit of a, a cheat sheet almost for when you get into those sets of uh, maybe behavior that you don't like, stressful moments, when you can refer to the tips and techniques of those mentors or those individuals and the innovators that you and I have covered in the past. And you can mm. pay yourself to them and think, okay, well, what are they doing in a stressful situation? How might I emulate that? And be yeah, and, and let me pitch you this, Mark. I think it's like, why would you, on your own, why would you or I go out in the world and try and solve for every problem we face like it's the first time it's ever happened? Um, I mean, to me, that just sounds exhausting. Why not go out and learn from the best and take their mental models, their mindsets, their hacks, their tools, techniques? How can we, you know, like tune into those people and, and like spend more time making progress than, you know, reinventing the wheel? I mean, I think that's what he's really proposing to us, isn't it? You, you're right. You know, we, we saw this in the four-hour work week. Tim Ferriss is all around using your time efficiently and maximizing strengths and learning mm. from others is what we saw mm. in Four Hour Chef. And I think that this book is a combination of that. This is him saying, don't waste your time by trying to tackle problems yourself every single time. If anything, it's going to be not only inefficient, but possibly even dangerous when you get to a moment <laughs> when you don't really know how to do it, you know, and seeking advice and the safety net of others um, who maybe have done it before, maybe they're very trained in that particular space. You know, this idea of collaboration and inspiration coming from others, it, it yes. is so obvious when you, when you dig into, uh, you know, lessons like this. Totally. And it's a real invitation to go to be curious. And frankly, even as we talk about it, I think it's actually really energizing. It gives you a bit of a boost to think that, you know what, the answers are out there. I've just got to go find them. And I think um, that is a really powerful thought to set up the rest of the show. I tell you another powerful thought is to take that curiosity and to uh, go into your favorite podcast app. Now, what on earth do you think we could ask our listeners to do when they are feeling inspired and curious? Mark, that there must be something they can do to learn out loud and to, you know, really help others be their best selves. Something that, that really helps podcasts be spread around the world to different communities and appear in different charts and, and on different people's radars is leaving reviews leaving ratings. And that's a challenge, dear listeners, that's in your very, very capable hands. When you leave a rating or a review, what happens is it does all the, the algorithms in the background and it brings our show up a little bit in the charts and also puts it on the radar into different countries around the world. And what that enables our listeners to do, or the newer listeners particularly, is find us. They have access to this particular way of learning out loud that, that Mike and I and you, our dear listeners, 
do every week. You know, when we dig into our innovators, what we do is we like to look at their tips and tricks and how we can adjust it to our own lives. And we believe that that's something that new listeners all around the world would benefit from hearing. So our plea or our request to to you listeners is if you do feel inspired and you feel as though you're walking down the street listening to our podcast and you're learning something as we talk out loud, then feel free to leave us a rating or review and just help us inch our way up those charts. Absolutely. Um, one, one rating, one review makes an algorithm happy. And um, it's thanks to all of your contributions, all of our listeners, that we can welcome new listeners from Mexico and Belgium over the last week. Wait for this, Mark. We even have new listeners joining us from Kazakhstan, Ghana, and Jordan. I mean, how good is that? All these people coming together to learn out loud. And I think, as uh, Tim Ferriss would say, to ask the right questions, don't you? That's right. And as a perfect segue, the next clip we're going to hear, now we're going to learn, Mike, a little bit about some of Tim Ferriss's um, main lessons that he's learned from a lot of the mentors that he spoke to. So the next part of our show, we're going to hear some practical tips from Tim Ferriss that are all around maximizing your productivity. And the first clip that we're going to hear about now is all around knowledge. And similar to the lessons we learned from the four-hour chef and the tools of of the tools of the titans, this next clip we're going to hear is a, a practical bit of advice all around accessing knowledge in those around us and how to ask better questions and to stop and listen. Questions are critically important because first and foremost, thinking, what goes on here is largely asking yourself questions and answering them. Secondly, if you want to get anything in life, chances are it's inside someone else's head, the knowledge, the skills, the blueprint, and the pickaxe for getting that gold is in the form of questions. All right, so there are a few things that you can do to improve questions. Number one is study questions. Watch Inside the Actor's Studio. Listen to Terry Gross. Listen to podcasts, whether mine or Joe Rogan's or others, so that you can borrow questions and test them on other people. And there are a few things to consider when you're formulating questions. Number one is, can it be answered relatively quickly? So for instance, If you found someone you idolize, you're in an elevator, oh my God, it's Jimmy Fallon. If you asked Jimmy a question, could he come up with a really concrete answer in five seconds or less? If the answer is no, find a different question for you or for other people. So what is your favorite book, for instance? Not a good question because people have read hundreds or thousands of books in many cases. But what book or books have you gifted the most to other people? It's going to be a short list. The search query is really refined. It's fast. Click. All right. Much like asking yourself, what makes me happy is not really a great question. It's too broad. It takes too long to search. But let's just say, what makes me feel most relieved after work when I get home or what activities, which people All right, now we're more refined. You can answer it much more quickly and it's more actionable. A few things you should not do if you meet someone who is, say, just above your weight class in terms of professional development and you want to connect with them, don't ask them questions that you could answer on Google. Number one, all right? Number two, don't ask them really broad questions. They couldn't conceivably answer quickly, right? What should I do? What advice would you give me for succeeding? 
These are not good terms. If you can't define success in, say, 10 words or less, get rid of it. Lose it from the question. All right? And I would encourage you to strive to be interested in the form of good questions if you seek to be perceived as interesting. Stop talking. Start thinking about questions and then stop and listen. Mm, stop and listen. You know, that's so funny, isn't it? That um, when you take a moment and just think about the art of listening so that you can just better understand, I think that's something that is a, I mean, you can never stop reminding yourself on that one because, you know, most of the time there are, there are answers to our questions out there. We're just not hearing them. But I want to build on that, Mark. I, I really, um, I really think we all relate to this moment when we meet someone we might respect, um, someone that we hold up on a pedestal and we get there and we're like, what what am I going to ask? So, so I, I think, um, I think it's really good actually to challenge ourselves to ask good questions. And I, I wanted to share a learning. It is the simplest thing. But um, it was the heart of uh, Toyota's success uh, throughout the last century, which is the question of why. And I think the question of why, if you Google this, um, ask why five times Toyota, it's a whole practice they had to get to the root of everything. Just ask why five times. And I think I've mentioned it on the show before. It's a really powerful frame. But I think, you know, when we think about the questions that we ask, I think a lot of the time we ask pretty generic expected questions, don't we, in conversation? How are you doing? How is your day? What are you doing on the weekend, right? Don't you think, Mark, we all fall into the trap of asking kind of the same questions? I think we all have. I totally agree. I think due to the nature of collaborating and communicating with people out and about, what you end up doing is falling into a very, very similar pattern. And actually, I don't know how, you know, necessarily efficient it all is with regards to learning from those individuals, you know, particularly um, as, as Tim Ferriss calls out in, in that clip, if you're hanging out with Jimmy Fallon in, a, in an elevator and you want to ask him one question, don't make it a really obvious one because it's not going to be surprising. You're not probably going to learn much from that. And instead, when we think about even collaborating with each other and collaborating with clients or, or other team members, when you stop and actually take a moment or a beat and a pause and think, okay, well, what am I trying to achieve? And what will help me as well as them, as well as the person answering the question, get us to that desired outcome. Let's now mm. restructure that whole question answer dynamic. It isn't just, hey, what do you think? Instead, it's, this is what I found. What have you found? Mm. How do mm. we go? You know, restructuring a question into something maybe more like a dialogue is maybe another step further um, from Tim, Tim's approach, which is, you know, if you can answer it in five seconds, that's an efficient question. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look, Mark, I want to build on what you just said and almost reveal the secret source of our show. Let's, let's show how the, the sausage gets made. So we spend relatively little time discussing what people have achieved. We spend a lot more time asking ourselves, 
how did they do it? And then we follow that up with the following question, how might I do it too? And I think this is an enormously powerful construct for all of our listeners. When they see someone else who's doing great stuff, ask them, how did you do that? And what advice would you give me if I was trying to do that in my field, my area, or, you know, my practice? I think asking somebody else how they did it and then what advice would you give to me on how I could do it? I think this is where we get the tools, the techniques, the approaches, the mindsets. I think it's all in, tell me how, tell me how. So I think, Mark, what I'm pitching you right now is the secret source to the Moonshots podcast is we don't follow this nice journey on, tell us about all the things that they did. Don't, we don't focus on the what. Mm. We spend a lot more time on the how and then we try and ask ourselves, how might we do it? So what do you think, Mark? Do you think this might be a great starting point to asking better questions? Yeah, I think you're right. You know, and again, building, referring it back to Tim Ferriss's clip that we've just heard, if it's, if you and I were to dig into any of the authors or innovators, entrepreneurs that we've covered in the past and asked, okay, well, what did they do? That's information you could probably find out on Google. And as Tim Ferriss calls out, don't ask the questions that you can just Google. Instead, exactly to your point, Mike, ask those slightly more insightful questions around how or maybe why, because that's when the richness for you and I to learn from an, another individual, where that's going to come from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly. The same background or perhaps even the same opportunities as somebody like Elon Musk. But what I can learn is how he did it, how his behavior or mindset changed, and therefore how I can interpret that and put it into my day to day life. That is the secret moonshot source. <laughs> Secret sauce indeed. And you know what's crazy is we're now going to take some twists and turns and turn this all on its head because what we're actually going to do is we're actually going to hear from from Tim really showing us the power not of asking questions but answering them and wait for this, Mark. And it's not saying yes, but what we're going to learn from Tim Ferriss is the power and learning how to say no. The second thing that you said that I think all busy people probably need to take a lesson from is how to say no gracefully. And you came at this from an interesting perspective, even some people who said no to you to this project. Right, so uh, I reached out to a lot of different people, uh, Dalai Lama, call me, and uh, there were a lot of non-responses, and then there were a fair number of polite declines. And some of the emails were so incredibly well-crafted and so smart in the wordsmithing that they used that I then responded to the people who refused to be in the book to say, can I put your refusal email in the book, which I did. So a number of people said no, like uh, Danny Meyer, Shake Shack, and so on. Then you have Neil Stevenson, incredible science fiction writer, one of my favorites, Snow Crash, and many, many others. Wendy McNaughton, who's an illustrator. So you can copy and paste, basically, the language they use to make it easier for you to say no to all those invitations. Plus it makes you feel good when you get a response. Yeah, exactly. I I like them more after being rejected, which is a real Jedi trick. So give give us a couple of the articulations. I'll give you a couple of of ideas. And uh, then we'll get people to buy the book to hear all of them. Oh, no, for sure. And there are 
dozens of different tools right. in the toolkit. What was your but, favorite, though? Uh, one of my favorites is using the word policy or vacation to make it a blanket refusal. So for instance, I was once refused uh, for a, a lunch date with a very famous tech investor, and he said, sorry, I'm just taking a, I'm on a no meeting diet for the next month. <laughs> and as a policy, I'm saying no to all meetings. And I said, that's interesting, no meeting diet. So I started using no conference call diet, no this, that, and the other thing, right. diet. And people just rolled with it. It was incredible. There was no feedback, no pushback. Uh, that would be one. Well, and, because it's not you, it's me. Right. And that's then the, almost, it's a way of breaking up with somebody. Right. And right. almost inevitably what they say is, uh, I'm so busy right now and over-calendared that any response I were to give you, any time I were to give you, uh, would find me distracted. Right. So I'd love to do it later, but anything you're gonna get right now out of me is gonna be mediocre. Later though, because that's yeah. what, be, this is the thing. You're, you're saying, you I have can't to do it be now, careful. You have to be you, careful. If you leave even you have a to do this minor on the 30th window, of February. Yeah, you have to be really careful. So there are people who take that approach, and then there are other people like Dustin Moskovitz, who's also in Tribe of Mentors, who says the first no is the cleanest no. and the easiest. You have to do it very clearly and very, very early. So he has a slightly different but similar approach to saying no. And uh, the best way to say no is not to respond at all, I find. So, really? Yep. So you so, think, but I thought you just said you want to get the no. You like people who say Well, I like as the recipient for right. people to send me a very polite no. But if you have, as I do right now, 355,000 plus unread email, then the act of just parsing that right. would take the rest of your life. And in that respect, cultivating selective ignorance and becoming comfortable with letting a lot of the trivial many slide, which is another theme that comes up a lot, right. is really important. <laughs> it's such a, a reminder back to our first episode on Tim Ferriss, the four hour work week. Yes. Again, the real crux, I think, of what Tim's saying here is know and value your time and therefore have a system in place that allows you to prioritize it. And instead of jumping into your 350,000 emails to pass and respond to, and therefore use up all of your time and not mm -hmm. something more valuable, that's the mistake. That's yes. the real error here. So actually what he's saying is not only learning from disappointment, learning from those no's that you're getting, more importantly, it's, see where the no's or the disappointments or perhaps the, the areas that you're going to waste your time are, notice it, and then go and do something more proactive. What do you yeah. see from, from that, Mike? I, I, I really think you, you drew exactly the same thread that I was thinking about. That Really, what, why fill your agenda with a ton of meetings and your inbox with a full of emails? Because you're losing all control right? You're losing absolutely all control. And I think if you want to go out and do great work, if you want to do deep work, look, if you just want to have a productive day, if you are not in control of your time, be it through email or calendar, if you are not uh, totally in control of these, they are in control of you. And that's when you get into this cycle of days, weeks, and months where everybody else is setting the priority and not you. And without a doubt, that's one of the single greatest learnings we can take from Tim Ferriss. Take control of your time. That means meetings and that means email. Whew. Big, big lesson. I mean, for me, one of my favorite techniques and tips that I do to try and protect my priorities of the day, particularly when it comes to work, is time blocking. 
We've spoken a lot about this. Very important. Yeah, very, very important, right? So powerful and valuable. And in fact, so I find it so useful that I recommend it to basically everybody I speak to who are struggling with busy agendas. Just block it out in your Google Calendar or your calendar of choice and know that the next two hours you're going to do deep work into subject X. Maybe it's finding clips for your podcast. Maybe it's something else. And by putting that into your mind, I think you're then, for me at least, I'm then able to focus the rest of my time on not being distracted by having it over my head. I don't have to worry about when I'm going to do it because I've already allocated that time. And one of the big tips that we found, Mike, in, in an earlier episode with Tim Ferriss again, with the, um, with the four-hour work week, was blocking time to actually do your emails. Yes. So uh, The batch, the right? Batch. The batch. <laughs> you know, Tim Ferriss would set up vacation responders that would say, I check email twice a day in these hours and these hours. So that's when I'll respond to you. And I think if you're not quite ready uh, to jump into auto-responding, I think just allowing yourself that time, allocating that time, maybe two or three times a day to check emails and preserving the rest to do that deep work into your really valuable projects that, that earn you the money and that are really valuable to your day-to-day life. That for me was such a good tip, good practice. Yeah. And I think, I think what we all feel is the result of our time and attention being so called upon. I mean, everybody is getting busy with data notifications, emails, calls. Like this is why the art of saying no is so important. And I think we have to nurture and protect our attention, our time and our effort because if we don't, all our energy goes towards other people's priorities and we get to the end of the day, the week, the month and go, geez, I don't feel particularly satisfied. I don't feel like there's something bothering me. And I think we all have this sometimes. And invariably that comes back to you were busy on other people's stuff and you weren't applying your effort. You weren't applying your energy towards the things that matter for you. And this technique that he's giving us here is at the heart of feeling when you get to the end of the day or let's say you get to Friday and you can say, you know what, boy, I got some good stuff done this week. And I think this is an essential thing that you can never stop reminding yourself of because so many things now are competing for our attention, competing for our time and effort. I I totally agree. And one of the great um, next clips we're going to hear from uh, with Tim Ferriss is actually going to be to Think about when you're setting your priorities in the morning and not getting yourself distracted by emails and agendas and so on, but actually thinking, okay, well, how can I find the way to most uh, maximize my day? How can I think about helping others and those around me, whether it's work or in social mm. or family life? And ultimately, it comes down to you. This was a, an insight that we found in for our work week, as well as the Tools of the Titans episode, when you think about your priorities, then it's all about your mindset and concept. So this next clip we're actually going to hear from Tim Ferriss is all about finding your ease. I've spent a lot of my life really angry and using rage and anger 
a lot of it directed at myself mm-hmm. as a fuel for becoming a competitor because the only well the only way that I felt validated or valuable was to win. Period. That's it. I was an instrument for winning yeah. and competing, and I only felt good in in relationship to other people by somehow being able to tolerate more pain, work harder to be number one. And it was more a relief of not feeling terrible about myself for a fraction of a day than it was the joy of winning. Yeah. If that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And so for my whole life, I've been so completely brutal to myself and I've realized through a number of different means, uh, you know, one of which anybody can pick up, which is actually a book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock, which terrible title. (laughs) Love Tara Brock, uh, but a very, very helpful introduction to thinking about the potential idea that if you want to really help people or you want to really love people, you can't do it if you, if you hate yourself. You just cannot fully do it. You cannot. I don't think it's possible. So the last few years have been, and especially the last one or two years, a process of asking different questions. And one of the questions, there are many different questions, but one of the most important, which, which is right up front in this book, and the reason the book kind of exists in a way, is what, what might this look like if it were easy? Mm. Things are hard enough. <laughs> or they can be. And there's so much uncertainty in the world that uh, for type A personalities or people who've been wounded and have become very highly competitive as a result. Or highly driven. Or highly driven. Yep. Right. And driven, we usually use as a, as a very complimentary descriptor. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a horse that's being whipped to run faster until it dies on the track is also being driven. Yes. And that's not always a good thing and very often a bad thing. Uh, That question, what might this look like if it were easy, is a really deceptively leveraged question because you start to look for elegance and ease instead of the path of complexity that allows you to absorb and tolerate the most pain, which some people, myself included, for a long time viewed as an indicator of doing the right thing. Hmm. What a fascinating clip, Mark. Like there's, for me, there's two big things in that and I'm going to need your help on the second one. Mm. The first thing which I, I totally relate to is that you can't like others if you don't like yourself. And wasn't it great how frank he was about his own challenge? I mean, this super accomplished guy has challenges accepting himself. I think that it's so good to hear him being so frank, isn't it? Yeah, when you think about how many shows he's done, how many individuals he's spoken to, to actually hear that he has this concept of rage and this... Against himself, Mark. Against he's himself. like hating himself. Yeah, like Exactly. And, you know, you, you listen to him doing these podcasts and, and reading his books and there's a lot of compassion and, you know, um, calmness that he seems to have in himself in order to go and experiment and, and hack and and do what he does best. But actually to hear him kind of reveal that he has this kind of self-loathing, I don't know, it's Mm. it's kind of intimate, isn't it? 
It is. And I, and I just respect him so much for having the courage just to share that because I think that's just makes him bigger, better in my eyes. Now, here's the second thing that I kind of struggled with and I need your help. So I totally got his point on, you know, got to love yourself to love others. And I think that's really important. Now, the second thing is he was, he was going back to this idea is like, what would the most easiest way look like? And, and I could relate to that, but he was talking about this ease thing and help me understand how he attached that to the idea of loving yourself to love others. Um, what was your take on that? So for me, it's again, similar to my experience with, um, you know, you open your inbox and suddenly you have to jump on it. That for me is not a path or as Tim Ferriss would call out, that's not an easy path. You know, if anything, that's like climbing a very rocky hill. You're going to be distracted with different people hurling things at you and you're probably going to scramble up. And ultimately what that does is it has a knock on effect to your anxiety, maybe to your rage and maybe to feelings of inadequacy. So actually, when you think about time blocking, as an example, or you think about setting your priorities in the morning and focusing on you, you respect your time and you make it easy for you. Easy is a perhaps a, a misleading word because easy makes it sound like there's no challenge in there. But maybe it's, maybe it's more simple or more clean. If you can clear your path to enable you to go out and do the thing best, whether it's client work, whether it's a passion of yours, a hobby, or maybe it's just family life, whatever it is, if you can respect your time and clear your path and find your easy route to that destination by removing distractions of work or emails or whatever it is, I think that's what he's really saying. So it's like setting yourself up for uh, success, like take a path of simplicity, of ease, of elegance, make it intuitive. Is that, you think that's where he's going? Find your path to efficiency by pausing and think, okay, well, the way I respond to emails is not efficient. The way I text everybody back is not efficient. Even the way I ask questions or the way I don't say no, Mm. none of that's efficient. And by- I get you. By finding that way of doing it properly, doing it more efficiently, that's going to be your path to success, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't it amazing that we're just able to get so much out of this universe of Tim Ferriss? So on this episode, it's all about tuning in to the people around you. And he does a little twist there and says, well, you got to tune into yourself if you want to tune into others. And prior to this, throughout the entire series, it's been redefining time and learning and tools, but there's plenty more to come. But before we go there, Mark, I feel like there's a destination that's full of mentors, full of decoding of some of the world's greatest innovators. Mark, if our listeners are hungry and curious and want to make the very best version of themselves, where do they go? if they want to find some of the best mentors on the planet? www.moonshots.io. You can find our latest episodes. Can you believe it? 98th episode is today. You can Ooh. listen to all four of our Tim Ferriss episodes when this one comes out. You can go back through David Goggins, our series with Malcolm Gladwell, uh, Nicholas Taleb, all of our Habits series. We've got Michelle Obama. We've got Michael Jordan. We've got Adam Grant. I mean, Simon Sinek. There's huge amounts of archive shows. 
as well as our little mantras. We've got show notes to each of the episodes, um, relevant clips to external destinations online. But just as a reminder, moonshots.io is where you can find all of our repository of information. And stay tuned because a bit later in the show, we'll tell you which episodes are coming up next for the Moonshots podcast, as well as our special centenary show, Mark, 100 shows. It's quite a few, isn't it, when I think about it? Yeah, I can't believe it. It just keeps on keeps on going. What's 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 doesn't surprise me, but what's what fascinates me, I think, is that every time we dig into a new innovator, a new entrepreneur, we are learning something new. And by really delving into their habits, behaviors, their techniques, I feel as though we are learning so much throughout all of these 98 shows that it's, it's just incredible. It's such a, a, an interesting challenge and an interesting way to, to go about our day. It really is. And I think that um, we can see this next clip as really a salute uh, to creating new chapters and new starts. And uh, we've got this conversation between Gary V, who we've featured on the show, and Tim Ferriss. And really they're presenting us with a way to think about how to uh, start a new chapter, to start a new opportunity, perhaps to grab an opportunity. And what we hear Gary V and Tim Ferriss talking about essentially comes down to one thing, and that's mindset. You can't think it's that easy to just be inspired and be successful at something. I would spend more time tasting. Yeah. I think you should try to do as many things as possible. And to Tim's credit and point, Try to surround yourself. I would really pour on the extrovert nature. I'm empathetic, immigrant in a new country or foreign exchange or whatever you want to call it. So might not come as natural to roll up on anybody. You might just be introverted by nature. But I would I would take advantage. Well-rounded person in college, I get it. I know that's a narrative. To me, it's just take advantage of a captive group of people in the same place yeah. and try to meet as many people as possible. Entrepreneurship is hard. Being a successful entrepreneur is stunningly rare. Yeah. Way more than people think, right. Adam. So I think patience also, 20 years old. I mean, like, to Tim's point, the next 10 years you can taste fail. It's why I'm pushing people to get closer to big-time mentors because what you will siphon out of them is going to be so much more ROI positive. Don't put pressure on yourself to thinking it's either school or entrepreneurship. Yep. There are so many twists and turns. Yeah, there's, 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 there is a lot on the spectrum, which is, you know, Gary, you and I, I think see this a lot in our respective audiences, which people where people make a false dichotomy out of full-time employment or full-time entrepreneurship. That's it. That's it. That's the, it. And no, there's actually a spectrum in between. So as a student, for instance, one thing that I did when I was in college, which you might consider is becoming a, a part or beginning a student club or a student union of Love some that. type Love that. so that you have to sell membership. You have to Love actually that. take notes, keep uh, track of records, right? So if there's some, it right. doesn't matter what it is. Like if you are say the graphics editor of the school newspaper, you're going to have to learn how to deal with deadlines. You're going to have to learn how to maybe interact with ad sales because so-and-so is buying a two page spread. And now you have to integrate and reflow the entire design of the magazine. These are all experiences that mimic the real world, uh, meaning non-school world. So I would encourage you to learn on someone else's dime, right? At school, 
you aren't necessarily paying a lot for your mistakes, which relates also to my recommendation to maybe work with a within a smaller company where you have the opportunity to observe a really good deal maker, where you can make mistakes and someone else is paying for that education. This is a great clip that actually shows Tim Ferriss putting the lessons he's learned into action. So what you're hearing mm. there is, is Tim Ferriss and Gary Vee talking to a new student who's just gone to college and he's wondering how to maximize his time and be an entrepreneur and balance it with work and college life. But what's fascinating is we're seeing a clip here of them being mentors, them putting mm. to, they're putting their money where their mouth is and actually providing points of view to that student. And what I think is so great, and again, we're talking about time here, it, as well as you know, behavioral change, is instead of allowing yourself to become overwhelmed and having to make a choice, is it A or B? Is it college? Is it work? Is it stress or is it no work? <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> trying to get overwhelmed with so many different options. Instead, just approach them with a, a slightly clearer head. Try to maximize the opportunities that you, you have around you, whether it's with your work, your career, or whether it's those around you from a mentorship perspective. And actually just using that time in a more, I think, efficient way is where I really like that clip. Mike, what, yeah. did, you, what did you kind of think of, of that Gary V. Tim Ferriss exchange? Well, I would summarize it as whenever new, new opportunities come your way, I think um, what they were both saying, it was so great to hear two moonshotters going for it, yeah. is cease the day, carpe diem. I think what you heard in them was use the momentum of a new thing to get right in it 100%. Don't hold back. And I think that is, you can just hear the energy when they were talking. These guys were like, go for it, seize the day. So when something new is happening for you, ask yourself, how can I maximize my energy, my inputs and my effort? And I think that is with all the wisdom of doing it smarter, more efficient, um, I think this really sets us up uh, to go an incredibly long way. But this is not the last and final thought, uh, I don't think, from Mr. Ferris, is it? No, it's not. And, and similar to um, you know, this idea of using your time, I mean, I'm actually, that final clip that we just heard Gary Vee and Tim Ferriss, it reminds me of that Derek Sivers, go out and do it. Go out yes. and, you know, rather than be paralyzed of a choice, you know, just go and commit to it much like Tim does. This final clip that we're going to hear is Tim, again, putting his money where his mouth is. And he's actually going to tell us what's one of his key habits that he's learned from these mentors that's actually changed him over the most, uh, the, the past few years. So this final clip we're going to hear from Tim is what tip or habit or technique that he's learned from the tribe of mentors that he's spoken to that has changed him the most. I want to hear your response to one of the questions that you sent all of us. Let's do it. So in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? So for everybody watching, when you get this book, this is one of the questions that many of us, quote unquote, mentors have answered. Yeah, I would say for me, it is a consistent morning practice before taking my phone off of airplane mode mm -hmm. of sitting and doing a meditative practice for say 20 minutes. 
And it's stuck initially by taking a transcendental meditation class of perhaps three days when I was going through a very, very difficult time. And Chase Jarvis, who's awesome and a hugely successful commercial photographer, he's worked at every big brand you can imagine and is also a very good CEO. Both he and Rick Rubin, who's like the most legendary music producer of all time, just look at his discography. It's insane. It's like Johnny Cash, Eminem, Jay-Z, Metallica, uh, you know, uh, the list is absurd. It's like everybody you've ever heard of. And he also said to me at one point, because I was going through a really rough time and I was very tightly wound, he said, have you ever considered TM? And I'm like, ah, mantra? Like you pay them to give you a mantra? It's a cult. Like I don't want to be part of a cult. And on and on and on and on and on. And they're like, no, it's actually really secular. And I know there's like a little bit of weird stuff, but you can just ignore that. It's like the first hour of the talk. Just ignore it. What do you have to lose? And I was going through such a difficult period at one point. I was like, you know, that's a good point. So I did it and that kickstarted the meditation. And then I experimented with other things like headspace, which I have no vested interest in. So it's, you start with 10 minutes a day for 10 days as a proof of concept. And the way I'd encourage people to think about meditation, because it can sound very woo woo. And I certainly was repelled by it for a long time is you are sitting down, say on a couch to practice observing your thoughts and feelings and emotions for a very short period of time so that for the rest of the day, you are less emotionally reactive. What this means is you are rehearsing, you're training. It's like going to the gym. So let's say you're training for a sport. All right. So you're an athlete in X, you go to the gym to do squats, to do this, this, and this, so that when you get on the playing field, you can perform better. It is exactly the same. You're rehearsing and training for your day. And then when you run into something that normally would trigger you, whether that's a certain type of email, whether that's an employee who has a habit that drives you insane, or you being behind in your schedule and then the line at Starbucks is longer than you would like, whatever it happens to be, the things that would normally cause you to get really tightly wound or explode or berate yourself or other people, you will then start to spot before you have the reaction. And then you say, okay, half a second of breathing. Let me choose my response instead of being a hot held hostage to these loops and triggers that we all have. Uh, So that has been enormously, enormously helpful for me. There you have it. I mean, take control. I mean, that maybe is the mantra of the man himself. Don't you think, Mark, he's, when you break it down, he's really saying when he's learnt everything, when he deconstructs, when he decompiles everything he's learnt, it comes down to controlling how he responds to the world through meditation. And I think this is just this enormous theme of taking control of whether it's your time, how you learn, the tools, the techniques, your mentors, it's like he's just taken one big breath and composing himself. What do you think? That's exactly it. He's, he's taking that breath. He's taking control. And it starts by having awareness as soon as you wake up. Mm. Yeah. Instead of uh, a probably pretty common behavior where you wake up, your instant thing is to turn off your phone, the alarm <laughs> on your phone, yeah. open your news or open your social media before you even got out of bed, maybe open your emails Mm. and 
just to stay, take a, take a, a moment to actually have a breath instead. Think about uh, how you're feeling. Think about the priorities of your day, what you want to achieve, and take some me time, uh, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, as Tim Ferriss says, you know, whatever it might be in terms of duration. If you create that morning ritual that we were talking about in, um, uh, mm. in the Tools of the Titans uh, episode previously, once you, once you have a really good morning r- ritual and you can begin your day just as you want it, then you won't have that unnatural response to stress or anxiety or, or emails or whatever it might be during the day because you kind of think, okay, well, I've got this good habit. I've got the right start to my day and I'm beginning it in, in, in a conscious way yes. of how I know how I feel. So yes, it's, it's great. You know, a, a person who has interviewed and learned from so many individuals around the world for Tim Ferriss to call out this as a, as you know, the most valuable thing that he's learned in five years, I feel like that's a pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm thinking about what 2020 has been for me, for you, and I am sure for many of our listeners is challenging, right? Um, both directly and indirectly, whether it's being constrained or just this sense of uncertainty that surrounds the world. Um, I think in what we just heard from Tim is the greatest antidote to that uncertainty, which is take control of your thoughts, your habits and behaviours and start the day right. It's, it's the perfect little cup of coffee, a bit of advice coffee that I mm-hmm. hear. All right, I, I can't wait to, to give that a go. I mean, we've spoken about breathing and meditation and taking a pause in the past, Mike. And mm. I think what's what's different here is is Tim's really calling out that's how you begin. That's how you begin your day. Well, that's how he begins his day. And that feels like a great behavior to kind of be inspired by to go and, you know, give a go ourselves. So yeah. That, that's what absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I mean, this Mark, this brings us uh, to the end of a series. Can you believe we have ripped through four epic titles from the author Tim Ferriss? How are you different now at the end of this four-part series? A lot more aware of my time, a lot more inspired when it comes to learning, you know, thinking about the actual practicalities of what it takes to learn. Um, I feel like I got a lot out of the four hour chef. I think that's such a, such an interesting approach, um, that Tim Ferriss took to, to education. Um, and ultimately I'm, I'm pretty inspired, you know, if anything similar to what you called out at at the very beginning of this show, Mike, you know, hearing Tim Ferriss have, he has, you know, personal issues himself. It's actually quite a, uh, uh, almost a relief, (laughs) you know? Yeah. He's not perfect. Oh, so it's okay that I'm not. Ah, Exactly. It would be very easy to delve into tools of Titans even, or, you know, particularly tribe of mentors today and think, oh, but these, these individuals, they have the time to do it or they have more available resource. But actually, I think what I've found throughout the four part series of on Tim Ferriss is I think anybody can, can give it a go. I think, you know, Tim is the ultimate um, experimenter and dare I say life hacker. Yes. And 
I think, you know, he's, he's got all these great experiences that have kind of inspired me. Yeah. I mean, that's the, the great thing. He, you can be insanely practical and inspiring all at the same time. Uh, so uh, that, that is just one tip of the hat to Mr. Tim Ferriss. Well, Mark, I mean, uh, whilst we may have finished with Tim Ferriss, the inspiration and the learning will continue. Who do you think we should do next? The one show, show 99, before our centenary show, who do you think we should delve into and learn from next? Well, we regularly talk about leadership. We regularly talk about um, entrepreneurs, managing teams, building skills, and this big word of ownership comes up a, a huge amount. So what a perfect way to kind of seal off our double digits of <laughs> show 99 and digging into Jocko Willink and his extreme ownership book, a hugely popular book that I can't wait to dig into. I know. You might even ask, what sort of ownership are we taking of this podcast if it takes us 99 shows to get to this book? <laughs> Right. But I can tell you it is, it's a real treat. There's a lot in this. And uh, personally, I got a lot uh, out of extreme ownership. So can't wait to get into that. But uh, Mark, I just want to thank you for, for joining me on this journey, this four part journey into the world of Tim Ferriss. It's been quite a ride, right? It's been great. We, we've learned a lot of practical tips mindsets, but also behavioral changes that we can go out and, and, and live in our lives. And, and it's been a fantastic, one of my favorite series, I think. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. Um, lots and lots of learnings. It's almost too much uh, to learn in one author, but there you have it. That is the world of Tim Ferriss. So Mark, thank you to you. Mark, thank you to all the effort uh, and uh, the patience as you and I learn out loud together. And a big thank you uh, to all of our listeners um, who are joining us for this journey of learning out loud. And this is a community that uh, spans all four corners of the planet now. It's really amazing to think that tens of thousands of people are joining us uh, every month to come and to learn out loud. And hopefully today we've helped you um, uh, really tune into this idea of finding mentors because in mentors we shall find wisdom and the answers to many questions that we have. But in order to do that, we've got to ask the right questions. And to do that, what Tim has taught us is if you want to help yourself, um, you've really got to go and start with liking yourself because when you like yourself you can like others when you love yourself you can love others and bring real value real care to the world around you and that starts by embracing these new chapters carpe diem seize the day and as you seize the day it is you who controls your response to the world you have the chance to take a breath and decide how you want the world to be. So there you have it. That is what we can take from Mr. Tim Ferriss and from learning out loud together here on the Moonshots podcast. So whether you're in Ghana or Kazakhstan, Belgium or Mexico, we welcome you to this family of learning out loud. And that's a wrap of the Moonshots podcast. <laughs>